This is Retirement Roadmap Radio with Mark Fricks of Master Plan Retirement Consultants. Listen in as we address your retirement concerns and provide insight to help put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, Retirement Roadmap Radio. Hi, folks. Welcome back to Retirement Roadmap with Master Plan Retirement Consultants. My name is Evan, and with me, as always, Retirement Planner Mark Fricks. We like to think of ourselves as rational people, but our actions can often prove the opposite. Even with education, training, and experience, investors still make financial decisions that can go against their best interests. When a person is investing with their own accounts, they have unavoidably tied emotion to that investment and its performance. Thus, every investing decision is anchored to an emotional response. Add in a timeline that is nearing retirement and the stakes continue to rise, uh, not the least of which if you are in retirement and maybe even on a fixed income. Today, we'll be discussing the topic known as behavioral finance Mm -hmm. uh, and how it can greatly affect your road to and through retirement and how we could possibly even improve our own investor behavior. Mark, uh, to start out, I have a question for you. Have you ever encountered a client who could consider their own investments with a pragmatic and detached approach? Um, yes, uh, they're few and far between. Okay. Uh, and, and basically the ones that, that are able to take emotion out, they, they seem to have a particular personality, but they also have a system. We have a couple of clients that have a, a piece of their money that they invest on their own, and we kind of compete with them a little bit, right? <laughs> but they, they have some kind of a system. And so I've got one that's a very uh, smart guy, engineering background, also a pilot, and, and he's developed this whole system. He actually sat down and showed, I think you and I one time mm-hmm. for about an hour and a half, the system. And I'm like, okay, I get it, but you know, no system's perfect. And he did pretty well for a couple of years. And then uh, last year during the bear market, he had to admit to me that uh, he did not do as well as the market and the market didn't do very well as as well. So every system has its flaws, but he was one of the few that I remember that could take that emotion out of it. Although I think he did tell me one of the reasons he lost money was he did get a little emotional. He did Mm -hmm. panic a little bit on his system. And so that anytime that emotion gets into there, it's going to create a bad decision. Well, and even his, and again, this was kind of his little side project in retirement, His it was even more on a day trading side of things, which requires a lot of attention is practically a full-time job. So yeah, yeah, it can be pretty intense. And then to be able to do that and remove the emotion, yeah, you you need a system to to just commit to in that sense. Yeah, because you're watching, uh, you know, the money you've earned. Let's say last year you made 20% and then this year you start seeing it, you know, fall. That's a reactionary um, uh, trigger that makes you think, well, I made up, I made 20, now I'm losing what I made. What should I do? You know, do I follow the system? Because the system may not be working, although it probably is. But again, the emotion gets involved. Right. It's very difficult. Right. Well, that that's perfect because it brings me to the first topic. I want to discuss several common behavioral mistakes that investors make uh, so that we can be aware of them and point them out in our own lives and investing decision. And the first one is overreaction, which is the tendency to react to the extreme. For instance, if an investor would pull all of their money out of the market at the first sign of trouble. Right. And so, first of all, just a little bit of background on this. These five areas are actually from research done 
by Dalbar Research over the last 50, 60 years. So this is not things that we pulled off of Google or made up or just our experiences, although we have confirmed that these are true, okay? So this is not, this is some good stuff. This is some good research. It's uh, very well grounded. And one of the things that Dalbar has come up with before we get into overreaction is the fact that based on their research, the average equity investor that manages their own money makes 1.9%. Okay, and so that's based on the fact of two emotions, right? Fear and greed. Uh, I love what Warren Buffett says. Uh, when's the best time to buy? When there's blood in the streets. Okay, and so, um, but that goes against our, our reactions. We may think that, and we might say that's a great idea. Very few people can do it. So, but getting into the overreaction, you're exactly right. It, it's it's uh, basically um, just all or nothing. Okay, so. Um, give you an example. Back many years ago, there was a, a startup airline, and I think it was originally ValueJet, and I may be wrong, uh, but you know the stock price was whatever it was, twenty bucks a share or whatever. That was the plane that crashed in the Everglades um, in Florida, and the stock price immediately dropped to about twenty percent of what it was. Guess what everybody did? They sold. Okay. <laughs> Guess what one friend of mine did? He bought every share he could buy. And he made a lot of money because ValueJet then became, I think, JetBlue, and then it was bought by Southwestern or whatever. And so he made a lot of money because he went against the opposite of the herd. And so um, we kind of see it in 2008 what happened, um, or because of 2008. So let me backtrack. So uh, we remember 2008, over about a two-year period, the market, S&P, lost 56%, okay? And so... A lot of people stayed with that. You know, they, they stayed with it just long enough to where they sold at the bottom, okay? And there's actually more money left the market in 2009, 2010 than in the history of the stock market, okay? Mm -hmm. But because of 2008, 2009, people started re overreacting in future years because they could remember, wow, I lost 40% of my 401k. The next time I see the market drop, I'm out. Well, I think the number is about there's, you know, the market gains for the year is typically three to five days. So if you're out of the market for the three or uh, those three or five days, you're gonna miss the returns for the whole year. And so overreaction is exactly what you said. It's it's, it's seeing something happen, uh, whether it be because you're watching your own stocks or bonds or whatever, or watching TV or whatever, mm -hmm. and you're just like, hey, I'm out. You know, I, I see a sign of trouble, and everybody's pre pre uh, predicting this, and you overreact. And that's uh, again, that's number one on the hit list when it comes to. Uh, emotions and the way people react to investing. Well, we see sometimes if, if a client is prone to overreaction, a small dip in one account or the market itself may make them question their entire investment strategy or even plan. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's why we spend a lot of time with our clients because we, we invest money differently, as you know, Evan, and we've talked about this before on previous episodes, uh, is that we, uh, we uh, protect against um, uh, down markets uh, to a greater extent than most people do because of the way we position, whether it be hedging some of our dollars, whether it be protecting principal, things like that. Uh, and so it's, um, we're prone to less dips in the market because as retirees, our clients can't afford huge dips. Right. Uh, and so they tend to be less fearful because they know that we've got a plan, we've got a long-range plan, uh, and we're also there to kind of talk them off a ledge. Uh, I kind of joke around and say that one of the reasons we're on the first floor of our building is in case we do jump out the window, we only have three feet to go, so we're good. Yeah, um, overreactions often a result of availability bias, 
overweighing easily available information. So one of the, the roles that we can take or an individual can take is filling the gaps of information. Maybe there's a huge headline that says something super negative about the, the market that day, and then they just want to get out. Well, let's look at it a little bit more closely. Let's also look at what you're actually invested in and how you're balanced in your overall plan. Exactly, exactly. Well said and well well thought out for sure. So the you mentioned a little bit um, of herding, following the herd, mm -hmm. which is um, the average investor is most likely to follow other investors. Perhaps the most common example, as you kind of alluded to, is uh, investors buying high when a particular stock is popular and selling low in a panic when things are moving the other way. Of course, we know if a stock is really popular, you're paying more for it. Perfect example is the tech bubble uh, back in 98, 99, leading into 2000, is the higher the tech stocks went, the more people bought it. Mm -hmm. And and so it's just that, okay, my neighbor just told me he made 12% this year. I got to get in now. Well, that 12% has already happened. Is there another 12% ahead of us? Well, I, I got to get, get with the herd because they're all moving that way, so we're all going to buy tech. Well, that's called a bubble. And they're always going to burst. And so, you know, whether it be a housing bubble, uh, I think the bu first bubble was the, the Dutch bulb bubble in the 1700s in Holland or something where, and it's a long story, I'm not going to get into it, but that was actually the first recorded bubble where everybody got involved in the same thing and it caused the price to collapse. And so following the herd can be very dangerous. Um, and, and also the herd, they all have different reasons for their investing. They all have different timelines and that type of thing too. So just because everybody's buying a particular stock, that might be the good time to sell the stock, mm -hmm. actually. Well, and, and to go back to the Warren Buffett quote that you mentioned earlier, it's exactly related to this. Mm -hmm. so I, I can't remember exactly how it goes. Is it when do you buy when there's blood in the streets or mm -hmm. blood in the water? I can't whatever it is. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but that's exactly what it means. You know, when when people when when the market is down and everything looks like it's going, you know, everyone's got the doom and gloom. Uh, perspective, that's when he's saying, that's when I buy, and he has exactly. that. Uh, Anti-herd behavior exactly. is exactly what it is. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh, so how do we combat herding? Well, um, so I'm always going to come back to this first, and that's to have somebody help you invest, okay? Because again, Evan and I, a lot of our job is is talking people down. Uh, again, most of our clients don't panic. I don't. We don't get 12 calls a day in a bad market. But we'll get maybe one or two emails a week. Hey, Mark, uh, Evan, just want to make sure we're okay. We have a plan. We're good. That type of thing. Um, I had a meeting last night with a couple. They've got a good amount of money with us. And they came to us just before the bear market. So they're down in some of their accounts. But some of their accounts, they're not because we hedged and we protected. So um, they only have 39% of their money exposed to the market. So even if the market was down 20 and we're down 15, overall, they're down about 8. Mm -hmm. And so I had to kind of explain to them, hey, this is what the market's been doing, this is what we've been doing, uh, and then overall, this is how you've done. And so it kind of helps them to understand. So I think the number one solution, again, and I'm not trying to say, hey, we can do a better job or whatever, but we don't have emotions in our client's money. We have fiduciary responsibilities in our client's money. Mm -hmm. And so it's less of a, now, now believe me, I don't want to lose money for my clients, okay? But uh, we rarely, if ever, lose a client because of performance, because of, again, the way we teach some of this stuff here. Yeah. Well, and not only is it emotional response, but hurting is psychological. We actually feel 
safety safe. when we're part of the herd. But That's what fact, herds are for, right? Exactly. And, and, and whether it be in Africa or on the Western Plains or whatever, the herd can help protect against attacks. And so uh, you get in the middle of the herd, mm -hmm. you feel safe, but not so much well, here. Well, and if the whole if a crowd is doing one thing, it's also hard to choose to be the outlier who makes a different decision. Maybe you don't want to be embarrassed or your fear of doing making the wrong decision that right. no one else did. You know, there's a lot tied into it. It's very it difficult, really which is why you need um, an advisor or your own, you know, plan to go to. That's what them. all of our moms used to tell us. If all your friends jump off a cliff, are you going to jump off a cliff? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I guess. <laughs> and behavioral finance says yes, we probably will <laughs> they jump probably off will, the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quick note, folks, I uh, do want to remind you to check out our website, masterplanretire.com. There you can find multiple retirement resources, links to our videos and other episodes, things like that. Uh, most important, though, there's a Schedule Now button where you can schedule your complimentary consultation with Mark. Opportunity for you to discuss your own retirement, have some reports ran for you, things like that. Uh, masterplanretire.com. Also, feel free to call us at the office, 770-980-9262. Uh, the next point I want to discuss is focusing on short-term performance. Yeah, this is a tough one. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to walk through this one a little bit, what it means, and then I'll give you a couple of examples of that. Well, one, primarily, um, I think clients or investors in general, they tend to feel the weight of a loss in the moment um, way more than they appreciate a gain over a period of time. Um, and so we see that often. And, you know, we, I think we have a pretty good informed client base overall. Um, and I think that goes a little bit into um, our education of our clients. We try to teach them and help them understand exactly how their plan is laid out and walk along with them so that when there is a drop in the market, we're, our phones aren't ringing off the hook with, with uh, folks saying, hey, you gotta, you got to get me out or anything else like that. I mean, they understand the plan, how we're allocated, um, and even our market our accounts that are in the market, how they're being managed and how, you know, what those specific um, strategies are for those individual accounts. So that helps, mm -hmm. um, but, but we are constantly bombarded um, with the doom and gloom news. It's on our headlines. The media is just, uh, we're just completely surrounded by it because that's what sells. Doom sells. So when there's um, a nudge in the market or something, all of a sudden every headline is the worst possible outcome. This is the worst day that we've had in 10 years yeah. or whatever it may be. Absolutely. And it, it's like, you said it perfectly, doom sells, bad news sells. I mean, when does CNN get the best ratings when they're filming a war, right? So bad stuff sells, they, you know. And so, um, number one, I think when it comes to social media and news, I just call that investor pornography. I sure. mean, this stuff, it's just junk. And their number one job is to sell airtime, ad time. And so how do you do that? You do that by getting more and more viewers and watchers. And even social media, I mean, a lot of my clients will get emails uh, and they'll send it to me and say, is this really true? Are we really going to this kind of a system? Are we doing? And, and I'll go back and say, no, they're trying to sell you a newsletter. They're trying to get you to subscribe to something. Or just click on it. Or just click on yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, you just have to be really careful. And one of the stories I talk about when it comes to short-term performance is, let's say you're going to run a marathon. What is that, 26.6 or 26.4 miles, whatever it is, further than I can walk for sure. Um, so long-term investing is 26 miles, right? Mm -hmm. Don't start panicking after 20 feet. 
that's ridiculous. Okay, I'm behind already, and I've only gone 20 feet or 20 yards or whatever. So it's, it is about the long term. And as I told our clients that I met with last night uh, that were down a little bit, I said, uh, you know, the worst thing we can do is, is panic on short-term performance. It's kind of like standing in the line at the grocery store. So I'm in line, I'm waiting, and I, you know, I want to get out of there. And I notice the line next to me is moving faster, and now it's down to one or two people. I switch lines. I get over there, and guess what happens? Mm. Some person uh, comes out with 48 coupons and a checkbook. And so that line stalls, and the line I just left starts moving. So you, they, you know, short-term performance is very dangerous because you start jumping from, from holding to holding, and then you miss out when that one recovers that you just left. And that, I think, is a great example of short-term performance. Well, we know that financial markets tend to reward patience as well. What does the market do? It, yeah, is the market volatile short-term? Absolutely. But what does mm -hmm. it do over time? Over time, it grows. You know, you can draw a squiggly line, but it's a squiggly line up. Right. You know, so that's what you got to keep in mind. And that's one of the reasons, Evan, as you know, that, that when we start dividing up people's money, there's some, as I said earlier, protected principle. You can't lose. People love that in a bad market, right? But even in their at-risk money, we have some that are very short-term investments. So even if they go down, it may be a couple of percent. And so that's a bucket you can go to uh, if you need money. The longer-term investments may be down 10 or 15%, but we know next year they'll make 25 and 30%. Mm -hmm. So those are the ones you got to just say, hey, you know, that's a 10-year that's type account. Uh, I'll wait another year or two. That, that's going to recover quicker than the other ones. So I think the way we diversify among different types of holdings really helps maintain or reduce the volatility. Mm -hmm. uh, the next point is um, confirmation bias. So the tendency of people to favor information that confirms or strengthens their beliefs or values. Um, and it's difficult to dislodge that once it's affirmed. So when you have a strongly held belief, it's easy to see validation everywhere. Like when you uh, start looking at uh, a certain type of car, all of a sudden you see it everywhere mm -hmm. and that's the only car you see. Um, so the danger is people believe that they are making informed decisions when in fact their information is skewed by their own preconceptions. So for example, paying more attention to the facts that support your belief um, and not paying attention to contradictory information and we see this in politics all the time on every side of the aisle. Absolutely. I thought of a great example. Uh, so somebody we loved very much, um, uh, loved Fords. Uh, he, I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, he loved Fords. He was crazy about them. There was not a better car in the world. Right. And so if you're driving down the road and he saw a Chevrolet broken down, he'd notice that, right? Because that <laughs> confirmed his bias, right? But if he saw a Ford, he didn't see the Ford. Okay, so I think that's a good example of confirmation bias. See, I was right that that car is better because that other kind of car is broken down or whatever. And so it is. It's just say whatever I, I skew toward or believe in more or like more, anything I see that's negative toward it, I'm going to miss whatever confirms it. I'm going to pay attention. And again, social media can be very dangerous with that as well. You know, you only subscribe on Facebook or whatever to the sites that agree with you. And they continue to confirm what you think is right. And, you know, not everybody can be right. Right. Right? right. <laughs> so. Well, it's, as far as an investor perspective, maybe it's, you know, you see a, a price of a stock today. And so you, you think that that stock is doing gr really great. Maybe it's got a really high price that day. But you're ignoring the actual underlying value of the company mm -hmm. that owns the stock or something else like that. Exactly. Exactly. It's very common. Very yeah. common. Uh, so the next uh, point, uh, the last point we're going to discuss um, as we're kind of winding down on time is anchoring. 
um, which is a subconscious use of irrelevant information such as the purchase price of a security as a fixed reference point or anchor for making future decisions about that security. So um, an investor may think a stock should reach a certain price before selling it. Perhaps they, um, or even they, they purchased at a price and maybe it's not doing so well. And so they refuse to get rid of it until they hit a certain price that they have in their head that they've anchored to before they're selling it. Um, when in fact, it's generally an irrational bias towards an arbitrary figure. Yeah, a lot of times it's based on what they paid for it. So let's say I bought a share of Home Depot for you know, $200, okay? And I say, I will sell it when it hits 250. Well, what's that based on? It's based on nothing. I mean, you know, typically you don't go back and research and, and say, hey, these, these analysts think that this Home Depot is going to grow another 20% this year. Uh, the economy is doing this or whatever. It's just kind of, okay, if, I'm, if I can make 20%, that's when I'll sell. And it'll reach maybe 45 and then it pulls back again. And so now they're stuck with it. And then it drops below what they paid for it. Mm -hmm. And then they panic and sell it. Right, and so it's it's very much a, just an it's irrelevant as far as what they typically will come up with. It's just a it's just a price point uh, that's stuck out there, and and it can happen uh, you know with housing, it can happen you know with anything, but you certainly see it with investing a lot, um, and and it's just not there's no basis behind the thought pattern of why are you selling at this point, and and so it's it's um, probably one of the more dangerous ones of all of these because it's just, again, arbitrary. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, whereas, as you know, our, our investing is uh, all computer-based, uh, actively managed. And so we're going by algorithms, trends, uh, economic trends. It's all built into the stock market history of these computer programs. And so there's no emotional bias. It's simply, hey, this stock we think is topped out. Now, yeah. it's not perfect. But there's no emotion in it, and yeah. it, it is saying, "Hey, and it, if it climbs a little bit more, well, we missed out a little bit of gain. If it, you know, falls a little bit before we sell it, okay, but not, but we're not going to say, okay, fifty bucks a share, we're selling type of thing. There's nothing behind that. Well, I mean, you know, maybe you are waiting on um, a particular investment to get back to your original price. That's point, another one, and then, but you have to consider you're anchoring to that price point when, in fact, it might have. Maybe you bought it when it was way overvalued, Eggs. but consider the opportunity cost between waiting for it to get to this arbitrary number again, or perhaps moving to another investment that might be doing much better. Um, so as we're winding down, just uh, how do we, uh, first of all, some of these behavioral uh, finance um, topics and, and points, how do we see those in our, ourselves and approach those from an investor's perspective? It's, it's really tough for an individual investor to really realize this. I mean, you know, most of, most of us are not very good at uh, at fighting these emotions. Really, there's only two emotions in investing, fear and greed. And so when we're greedy, we tend to buy more than we should at a higher price. When we're afraid or fearful, we tend to sell quicker than we should. Uh, or, and, and some people wait you know, to the very last minute. Like I said, in 2008, 2009, most of the selling occurred at the lowest point of the market. And some of those people took eight, 10, 12 years to get back into the market. They, they were so devastated because they sold so low that um, they, they were like, I'm never be, I'm going to the market again. And they missed down on... You missed out all on the rally. A very high percentage since 2009, 2010, 2011. And so, you know, it's almost like an Armageddon thinking for some folks, like the market's never going to come back. No, that's not true. And I think people also kind of anchor in what's happening today. If today's bad, it's always going to be bad. 
if today's good, it's always going to be good. And, and so that's another part of that anchoring and part of the psychological part of investing. So I, like we said earlier, I think having actively managed money and somebody else help you with that to help talk you down and pull away some of those emotions so that people can think along the right tracks of, hey, this is what we're trying to accomplish. We have a plan. I'm not going to change it because of a bad week or month. Realigning your focus to your plan and Good. your strategy. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. Folks, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to remind you to check out our website, masterplanretire.com, where you can schedule your complimentary consultation with Mark. Again, multiple retirement resources, other episodes as well. Check that out. Uh, our office number is 770-980-9262. Mark, any parting words? Uh, just real quickly, we're running out of time. Our website is full of resources. Make sure you check it out, bookmark it. But until we see each other again, remember, plan well and prosper. Take care. This was Retirement Roadmap Radio with Mark Fricks of Master Plan Retirement Consultants. To schedule a complimentary consultation, go to masterplanretire.com or call 770-980-9262. Thanks for listening and remember, plan well and prosper. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services offered through Master Plan Retirement Consultants, a registered investment advisor in the state of Georgia. Mark Fricks and Master Plan Retirement Consultants are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.